Let's go to the Lord once more in prayer, shall we? Father, we thank you that we're worshiping a God who is good, a God who is great, a Jesus who is fairer than all, a Jesus whose beauty shines forth from the pages of Scripture that we are called to see and to adore. Father, as we turn our hearts towards the promises of your word, help us to hear them, to hold on to them as our own, and to see the beauty of Christ because of them. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this Easter season, we're going to return to a promise that we encountered just a few weeks ago in the Gospel of John. Jesus said to Martha in John chapter 11 and verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And he asks her, do you believe this? A couple of weeks ago, we spent some time thinking about those words, thinking about the importance of those words, but I want to return to those words today and next Sunday. Today, Palm Sunday, next Sunday, Easter Sunday, because this is one of those great promises that we have in Scripture, one which we receive from Jesus, and we thought about it some when we studied that text, but really, the heart of the gospel is in this promise, in these promises, and I think it deserves our attention for for a couple more Sundays. So we have in these verses, John 11, 25, and 26, we have these words, I am the resurrection and the life. This is Jesus. This is who he is. And then Jesus attaches two promises to this declaration of who he is. Jesus says, I am the resurrection. And then he promises, based on that declaration, I am the resurrection, he promises, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And then when Jesus declares, I am the life, he attaches a promise to that. Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. So we're going to take these two declarations, I am the resurrection and I am the life. And we're going to take their promises as the theme of our, our uh, Easter mini-series uh, this, this year. Today, we're going to consider what it means that Jesus is the life. And that everyone who, believe, who lives and believes in him will never die. On Easter Sunday, next Sunday, we're going to look at those other words. I am the resurrection. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And next Sunday, we're going to think about the glory of the resurrection. I trust this text and these two promises will encourage your heart in our Christian hope. So this Palm Sunday, today, the day that we commemorate the entrance of Christ into Jerusalem, we consider these words, I am the life. Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. We celebrate this morning the life of of Jesus. And we, we, we who believe in Jesus, we receive not just a promise of future life, we receive a promise of present 
life. If you believe in Jesus, then you have life. Which means that God has restored your fellowship with Jesus. He empowers your ongoing fellowship with, with God. Jesus' promise that He is life. This is good news for you and me. Because on the basis of Jesus' life, you may walk in life with God today. So, Jesus begins by saying, I am the life. This is the starting place. This is the, this is the identity of, of Jesus. The promise he's about to make is based on this identity. I am the life. But you know, this declaration from Jesus is nothing new. John has been explaining really from the beginning of his gospel that Jesus is life. That was actually kind of been one of the major themes throughout the whole gospel. We remember in John chapter 1, verses 1 to 4, you've probably memorized these words. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. So all living creation finds its origin in the Word, in Jesus. Jesus made everything. Jesus gave life to everything. In Him was life, and from the life of Jesus comes all the life in creation. Behind all creation living stands the eternal life of God. Have you ever walked past that store in the mall? The toy store with all the little robotic dogs that walk and wag their tails and bark. As you walk by, you can hear the little mechanical gears inside their little mechanical legs just whirring and whirring, right? As the dog pushes against that gate trying to escape. His little mechanical bark or yip strikes you as somehow being even more annoying than the real thing, right? Perhaps you've seen someone's guide dog taking them through the mall. Maybe at the same moment that you see that mechanical dog over here in the store. Looking at those two dogs, would you ever mistake one dog for the other? Probably not. No matter how advanced our robotics become, there is always a significant difference between the robot dog and the real dog. You know, Jesus is life. Jesus created all things. And even though you and I are alive, even though we are made in the image and likeness of God, there is a world of difference between you and I who are living and Jesus who is life. Jesus is God. And God doesn't get his life from anywhere else. God doesn't depend on some greater God in another part of the universe that got him going. God doesn't depend his life on the combination of different parts of righteousness and justice and holiness and wisdom and authority that all kind of come together and make God. No, no, no. God is life. God is living itself. His life never changes. You and I, our lives change. We are not being, we are becoming. We start out young, 
and we get old. We start out small, and we get taller, and then we get bigger, and then we get a little shorter, and then we die. God never changes. God never becomes. God is being. You and I have life for a little while. We participate in this thing called life. We were granted life at our conception. We let everybody know about it that moment that we were born and we started crying. We stop participating in this thing called life when we die. Life is something that we are given, that we participate in, and then we give up. God doesn't have life. God is life. Life is not something outside of God that God participates in. God is life. And everything else in the universe of universes or multiverse of universes, everything depends, everything experiences this thing called life because God grants life. This is just a small glimpse into what it means that In him was life. The life of Jesus is the life of God. It's not dependent. It's not given. It's not limited. Jesus is life. But Jesus is not only life and the source of creation life. Jesus said in John chapter 5 and verse 26, For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. So here in John chapter 5, Jesus is not just talking about creation life, like what we've just been talking about. He's also talking about spiritual life, salvation life. In the Gospel of John, we often find this expression, eternal life. And this eternal life is not just a quantity of life. It's not just living one more day after another. It's also a quality of life. It is a a life defined by a relationship with God. John describes this life again in John chapter 17 and verse number 3. John 17, 3, This is eternal life, Jesus prays to God, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Jesus defines eternal life by our relationship with God. And we're going to unpack this a little bit more in a few minutes. But for now, we see that Jesus declares, I am the life. And when he says that, when he declares this as his identity, this is true not just in physical reality, but in spiritual reality as well. God is being. God is life. And for us, for you and for me to participate in that life, it's not just a physical experience of blood running through our veins. It's a relational experience, communion with God. So Jesus makes this statement, this identity, I am the life. But then he makes a promise to us based on that statement, based on that identity. Jesus says, everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. This is a promise which, you know, to our modern ears and to our modern sensibilities probably almost appears incoherent. After all, how many funerals have you been to? 
How many funerals have there been since Jesus walked on planet Earth? How can Jesus claim everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die? How does that make any sense at all? And before we answer that question, think with me about why that promise would be needed in the first place. Jesus is promising a remedy to something. But what's the sickness? It's the same sickness that God promised Adam way back in the Garden of Eden. Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 to 17, God says to Adam, You may eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. God promised Adam that on the day that he ate, of the fruit of that tree, he would surely die. What is the nature of that death? What does that death look like? Did Adam's heart immediately stop beating the moment that he ate from that tree? Did he immediately fall over, give up the ghost in that moment? No. But consider the illustration of a well pumping out living water. When Jesus visited the woman at the well in John chapter 4, he told her, John chapter 4 and verse 14, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So, so picture Adam there in the garden. He has life. He has real genuine life. Not just physical life, but he has spiritual life as well. He has perfect fellowship with God, his creator. It's as though he has this spring of living water welling up inside of him directly from God. He has life itself straight from the fountain of life. And he lives and he moves and he has his being in the fountain of life, who is God. But when he sinned against God, it's as though he ripped that well of living water out from his soul, severing his connection with God. Oh yes, you would certainly go on physically living for a few more years. The consequences of his rebellion would take some time to work themselves out. Nevertheless, on the day that Adam ate from that tree, he died. His fellowship with God, his life in that spring of living water was cut off. And Adam, the father of us all, granted to us all that same spiritual dryness, that same spiritual death. We need life. Because in Adam, we are all dead. None of us have life in God naturally. We're all cut off from God. And since we are cut off from God, even though we have blood running through our veins, we do not, in fact, have life. We're dead. But God did something radical about this, didn't he? John explains God's work in John chapter 1. There in the very center of the prologue, in John chapter 1, verses 12 to 13, 
He came to his own, his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of, the, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. How are we born of God? How do we receive this life from God? Well, just like we were born the first time, by the will and the work of someone other than ourselves. It's interesting, Paul picks up on this same theme in Titus chapter 3. In Titus chapter 3, in verse number 5, this is probably one of those uh, Awana verses you may have memorized as a kid. Titus chapter 3 and verse number 5, he saved us, not because of works done by others, us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. In the work of regeneration, being born again, God grants life to our dead souls. He renews that spring of living water, that fellowship of life which flows from God to all creatures to whom he gives life. And God does this of his own will, of his own sovereign will, not because of our working or our willing, but because of him. God is the sovereign source and giver of life. So as we consider this promise from Jesus, what we saw first is that we have a need. We are all spiritually dead. We have no life in ourselves. We need the one who is life to give us life. So then we see that God does grant us this life of his own will. I'm reminded of James chapter 1, verse number 18. By his own will, he gave us new birth by the word of truth. The word of truth. But what is this life which he gives us? Consider first, this is a spiritual life. The life which God gives when he gives us new birth is not simply a spark which you and I are responsible to kindle up into some big flame. Nor is it the first heartbeat which just then automatically continues to beat forever and ever. Amen. No, the life we receive is spiritual life, which is granted by the Spirit of God. I'm reminded of Paul's language. Paul describes the Holy Spirit in Romans chapter 8 as the Spirit of life. In that text, he says, the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. The Spirit of God is the Spirit of life. That connection between our dead sinfulness and the abounding life of God, the Holy Spirit, is that connection. Because the Holy Spirit indwells you, because the Holy Spirit communicates or gives to you the life of God, you have life. The Spirit is that spring of life in your soul, that fountain of water welling up to eternal life. When Jesus gives us his life, we will never die because we have his Holy Spirit inside of us, giving us life, sustaining our life. Jesus gives us life because he gives the Holy Spirit who is our life. 
we receive life from God's Spirit to ours. And the gift of the Holy Spirit is the gift of eternal life. You know the verse, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The life which Jesus gives us through His Spirit, this eternal life, is eternal both in quality and in quantity. In other words, when Jesus says, everyone who lives and believes in Me shall never die, He can say this because first of all, He is giving us an eternal quality of life. The eternal life which Jesus promises us is a life which is characterized by the very life of God. What does the life of God look like? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. God's eternal life is a life that is lived, a life that is experienced in a certain kind of way. Sometimes in the theology world, we talk about how God is eternally blessed. God is the blessed God, and He dwells in blessed existence. Nothing can perturb the blessedness of God. That's the way that some people put it. This is the quality of life that is God's. He is blessed. Sometimes we also use in... in uh, in church speak, we use the phrase progressive sanctification to describe the same kind of truth. Have you heard that expression, progressive sanctification? We're saying that God, as God grants to us, as God gives us His eternal life, He's in the project of changing our wretched lives to look more like His blessed life. The Christian life is a life of putting off that old Adam that old man with all of his ungodliness and worldliness and putting on the eternal life of Jesus, the life that is marked by all that is good and right and true, as Ephesians 5 says. The life of sanctification is, again, it's a life of blessedness. To be blessed is way more than just being happy, like if you win the lottery or something. That's not blessed. To be blessed is to live with deep contentment, knowing that the favor of God is upon you. Everyone, everyone on planet Earth lives before the face of God. Christian, non-Christian, God is watching everyone. God is everywhere and God knows everything. But when you know that you are living in God's presence. And when that news that you're living in God's presence is good news to your soul, because you love God and you are seeking to please Him and to be satisfied in Him, then you know that God's favor is upon you. You trust in His promised love and His provision. Even if He brings trouble into your life, even if He brings difficulty into your life, you know that you are blessed because you're content in Him. A vivid picture that we have in the Bible is of God 
shining his face on you. The, the Bible prophets, the Bible poets use that language of God shining his face on us often. Let me read for you Psalm 67. Psalm 67, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations on the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. The blessed person is the person who is content in the presence of God with the favor of God on his life. And this life will continue forever. If you have been united to the life of God through the spirit of God, through the spirit of life, then God will forever give you, be giving you this eternal life. This life is perpetual for you. It is ongoing because, because the life of God himself is ongoing. Now it's true. Your body will die. Your body will be placed in a tomb. You will one day be brought back to life with a glorified body. We'll talk more about that next week when we talk about the resurrection. But since you are joined to the life of God through the Spirit of God, God will continue to grant you life in your spirit even after your body dies. And he will one day restore your body and he will give you a glorified body. This is the life that God promises when he proclaims, I am the life. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. He promises to grant you new birth. He promises to grant you life through His Spirit. He promises that His Spirit will continue granting you life, will continue changing you and transforming you to be more like God forever. Jesus makes an enormous promise to you. But who is it that receives this life? Is this life automatically given to everyone here on earth simply because they're alive? And some people have claimed that since the death of Jesus was a death of infinite value, and since Jesus died as a man identifying with all men, then that means that everyone automatically receives the life of God. Other people claim that it's not enough to simply be born to receive the life of Jesus. No, you've got to do more than that. You've got to lead a good life. You have to obey the law of God. You have to love your neighbor. Two extremes. Everyone gets it. Only the super religious get it. But Jesus makes it very clear who receives his life. He says, Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. God grants this life on the basis of belief in Jesus. It is those who believe in Jesus, believe that Jesus is the God-man, the one who died for their sins, 
The One who rose up on the third day and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. It is those ones who will never die. It is those ones who will receive eternal life. You know, this Palm Sunday, the whole point of this day for us as Christians is to be preparing our hearts for the commemoration of the weekend when Jesus was killed, put on a cross for our sins, buried, and then resurrected on Easter Sunday. We are reminded of, of this, this, this greatest, this most essential doctrine to the Christian faith. We cannot save ourselves. We're dead. We cannot generate in our souls a spark of spiritual life. We cannot drink from the well of eternal life on our own. We are dry. We are dead. But Jesus, the life giver, promises not just a spark. He promises not just a new start or a new beginning. He promises us eternal life. And He promises that life if we would believe in Him. If we would trust that He is enough to satisfy the wrath of God which we deserve for our sins. Do you believe this? But notice one more qualification of this eternal life. Jesus says, not just everyone who believes in me, but everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Everyone who lives. And what does that mean? I suppose it could mean everyone who has physical life. Although I kind of doubt that Jesus is saying that everyone who has a pulse and believes in me will never die. That seems terribly obvious. <laughs> I don't know of any dead people who believe in Jesus. <laughs> That's kind of the point, right? You die and you're done. It doesn't make any sense for Jesus to contrast this with everyone who is dead and believes in me shall never die. I, I think Jesus is talking about spiritual life here, eternal life. Jesus is saying everyone who lives spiritually and believes in me shall never die. In other words, we're looking at two sides of this coin. Jesus is focused not only on our believing, but on God who is giving us life. Jesus is saying that God is already drawing to Himself the people who believe in Him. Jesus is saying that if you believe, it's not because you're smarter than other people. It's not because you're more cunning than other people. Or because somehow you figured out something that other people just haven't quite figured out. No, Jesus is saying that if you are believing in Jesus, your believing in Jesus is because God is giving you life. First comes God's sovereign work. Then comes your believing. That doesn't mean you don't have to believe. Jesus says, everyone who lives and believes in Me shall never die. You must believe. You must believe. But if you choose Christ, if you believe, if you have the grace of God working in your soul, you have the grace of God to thank for the salvation of your soul, not yourself. God chose you before you chose God. Jesus said, John 6.37, All that the Father gives to me will come to me. First, God chose you and gave you to Jesus. Then you come to Jesus. 
That's Jesus' words. It's not mine, it's not John Calvin's. It's Jesus. This Sunday is a Sunday of preparation. We're preparing our hearts for the good news of the resurrection. And this morning, particularly, we're preparing our hearts to see Jesus as the resurrection because we see Jesus as the life. Jesus is the creation life of God. Jesus is the salvation life of God. All life comes from Jesus because Jesus is God. And Jesus grants us life. Jesus gives us His eternal life. We who were dead, we who were utterly helpless, we were granted life. We were granted life through spiritual birth, the birth which is from above. God gave us birth through His Word, through the Word of the Gospel and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And His Spirit didn't just begin the work, spark the spark, and then go off and leave us to try and finish this work on our own. No, no, no. The Spirit of God is the Spirit of life. The Spirit who is continuing to grant us life from now and forever. We are forever dependent on the life of Jesus for our spiritual life. This spiritual life does not end when our physical bodies are buried in a grave. Spiritual life continues. We continue because we are united to God through the Holy Spirit. And this life will continue even when we are granted our resurrection bodies. Eternal life is eternal both in quality and in quantity. It will go on forever. It's God life. Life of righteousness, life of goodness, life of truth, and life unending. Is your heart prepared for Resurrection Sunday? Have you received this eternal life from Jesus? As you consider your life, do you see the qualities of eternal life demonstrating themselves in the way that you live, the way that you treat your family, your friends, your church family? Can you see signs of spiritual life in your own life? I'm not asking if you're trying to be good enough. Most people in the world try to be good. Rather, because you believe in Jesus, because you love Jesus, do you want to act like Jesus? Do you want to live in a righteous way? Because you love Jesus, do you want to speak truthfully? Because you love Jesus, do you want to be good to those who are around you? If Jesus is your life, then his life will spill out into yours as that spring of living water flowing out because you value him. And you're blessed. Christian, the promise of unending life in Jesus is a promise of being blessed. God's face shines upon you because Jesus is life. If you live and you believe in Jesus, you will never die. You will experience the blessing of God on you forever. Jesus' promise of life is a promise of eternal blessedness. Eternal life is a blessed life. 
if you do not believe, do you see that not only will you die, but you're actually, in fact, dead already? Do you see that you have no life in yourself, no righteousness, no truth, no goodness, no blessedness? You may speak some true things to people. You may be kind to people in certain circumstances. But if you do not believe in Jesus, there is no life in you motivating you to life. And that's a problem. And the solution is not to try harder. The answer for you this morning, if you do not believe for you to prepare your hearts for this Easter Sunday, the solution is to look to Jesus. The solution is to believe in this Jesus for your life. And if you believe in him, he will give you his life. Father, I thank you for the life that we have in Jesus. Jesus is life. Father, I know that many of the people who are gathered here this morning, many of us, are members of the same body precisely because we have confessed this same faith. I thank you that for us, we have received this promise of blessedness. Thank you for blessing us with life. Thank you for giving us your life. Father, if there is one here that is not trusting in you this morning, who is not living a life of life in the Spirit. Father, I pray that they would hear these words, the promise of Jesus of eternal life if they would believe. And Father, I pray that they would believe. I pray this in the name of Him who gives life, our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen.